Now, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce our next speaker, uh, Dr. Johnny Woodson. Uh, he is the Assistant Clinical Professor of Dermatology, University of Nevada School of Medicine, and the Medical Director at Woodson Dermatology. Uh, he specializes in conditions affecting persons of color, psoriasis, and associated comorbidities, and biological therapy research. He has 25 years of clinical research experience. He has been here in Las Vegas since 1995, and it has been my pleasure to work with him since 2000. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, my boss, uh, my colleague, Dr. Johnny Woodson. Thank you for having me back again uh, this year, and um, uh, John's modest. Uh, John's, John and I have worked together 14, 15 years, and um, uh, he, he is family uh, to me. He is my colleague, and uh, uh, the boy is brilliant, okay? So uh, I hope that um, I can always share something. I, I love to share, teach, educate, uh, delve into areas where so many of our colleagues uh, may say there's nothing that can be done and you know you just see the faces of people uh, who are so disappointed, family members, uh, we probably most of us have had the experience of people become so depressed with certain conditions they sit in your exam room and they just look at you and tell you that I want to kill myself. And if that doesn't awaken you, if that doesn't snap you out of, you know, the everyday, well, you know, the everyday general uh, uh, problem, we always need to remember, uh, as John talks about it, I certainly have mentioned it over the years, the zebras, how truly it affects one's life, uh, family life, and, uh, you know, um, personal life. Today, we're going to talk about skin cancer. We all see skin cancer, and it is definitely on the rise. It is definitely epidemic proportions uh, in certain categories. Uh, I was shocked to see that in one week, we had uh, a presentation uh, uh, from, from the pathologists, the reports, 14 melanomas in one week, all from women in their 20s through 40s. I mean, if it's busy, in other words, if you see a lot of melanomas for a busy group, we may see two, three, maybe up to five a week, if that. So certainly that was shocking. I remember some of my medical students or some of the medical students years ago had said, what kind of skin cancer do? You know, it can only do so much, it's small. It just sits there like a mole. And until one of uh, our colleagues, a uh, 33-year-old uh, professor in internal medicine, developed uh, a mole that she didn't have checked um, and finally had it checked. It was an invasive uh, stage three melanoma and uh, she passed away and it was not it was just a, a horrific year because of the metastasis to so many different organs. One thing I ask everybody to do is think about you know, incidents, experiences that they've had and keep them in the back of your mind or maybe your mind won't allow it to leave. But one day a dear friend of mine who's a radiologist, 
I was told when I came into the office around 8 o'clock that, uh, you know, your friend, uh, uh, Dr. Steinberg, is in the office. And I said, uh, what's the problem? And they said, no, he's just sitting there looking kind of dazed. And I said, okay, let me go see him. So I went to see him. He was sitting there with uh, Starbucks coffee. I said, David, what's wrong? He said, uh, melanomas are bad. I said, yeah, they could be. He said, no, they're really bad. I said, why are you saying this to me now? He said, because, you know, I've got 40-some radiologists on my staff, and I saw a scan of someone who presented with back pain. And the melanoma had spread to the liver, to the spine, to the base of the brain, and it was just horrific to him. And he, he realized just how bad that this mole, this nevus, or this skin cancer could be. So most people know I will go through didactics, but a lot of people who see me lecture uh, around over the years know that um, I enjoy, well that sounds, that sounds sadistic, but um, that the group enjoys guessing at the end because I have a bunch of unknowns. Uh, personal pictures or, uh, or slides sent by, by uh, patients and other colleagues. But basically, very quickly, um, objectives are to identify precancers and skin cancers clinically, learn the etiology and pathogenesis, and learn about treatment options, including some of the new treatment options that we are seeing. Uh, this is something I, I learned from John, and it really makes a lot of sense, but I, um, I started putting photographs or clinical slides beforehand so we can all kind of look at it, rumble around in our mind, think about what it could possibly be, develop a differential, and then go into it. But you can see here, it looks like a no number of calluses, maybe Veruca, the hyperkeratotic papules on the palmar surface of the hand. Here we see on the surface of someone's scalp, um, bilacious, erythematous, uh, or crusting hyperkeratotic papules and plaques, actinic or solar keratosis. Basically, UVR, HPV, arsenic, tar, chronic heat exposure, and chronic radiation dermatitis are all behind it. They can be asymptomatic, they can bleed, be painful or tender, which suggests progression. They can be sharply demarcated, scaling or hyperkeratotic macules, papules, or plaques. They can be pink or red or erythematous if, if people are, or individuals are in here not familiar with our language in dermatology, uh, in color, scaling surface, erosions, and crusted. 10 to 20 percent, depending on what uh, studies you read or look at, uh, develop into squamous cell carcinoma. Scaling, erythematous, brownish plaque, you can feel the texture. Bowen's disease. We're seeing a lot more Bowen's. Uh, I certainly am. Uh, crusted scaling erosions, erythematous, sharply demarcated, macular or plaque-like. If you find these lesions on the glands penis or the labial minora or uh, vaginal area or other areas on the penis, we call it erythroplasia of carat. If you have anal genital um, involvement, HPV induced, erythematous brown or black lesions, it's bowenoid papillosis. 
In your differential, you need to consider numular eczema, psoriasis, solar or actinic keratosis, verruca, condyloma, basal cell carcinomas, amelanotic melanomas, which we're seeing a few more of, and Paget's disease. Here you see raised, flesh-colored, shiny border plaque. It's a little more pigmented here, a little darker, crusted, hyperkeratotic, telangiectasias, obviously near the tip of the nose. Here you see an erythematous, shiny papule with some telangiectasias. And this is when something gets out of control. You may think that something like this metastasizes, so on and so forth. This has been present for years. You see the rays rolled borders, weeping center, crusted plaques. This person complained about under their piece, as they put it, that they were bleeding. They felt blood under their hairpiece. They removed this, and this is what was found. Erosions, plaques, basal cell carcinoma. Older usually than 40 years of age, even though uh, I personally have patients uh, down to 11 and 12 years of age who presented with uh, what their parents said was an unusual growing mole, and they were concerned. And on biopsy to hear, uh, to my surprise from the pathologist, that as one pathologist put it, hey, Johnny, this is just a garden variety basal cell carcinoma. And I said, from an 11-year-old? He said, oh. So we're seeing younger individuals. Males usually affected more than females. In the United States, greater than over 400,000 new patients per year are reported or diagnosed. UVR, mostly in the UVB spectrum, 290 to 320, uh, induces mutations in the suppressor genes, mutations associated in the patch gene. Skin phototypes, one and two, which probably most of us know about the different skin types. I'm skin type six someone who obviously has fair skin, Northern European descent in most cases, who can burn usually within 10, 15 minutes, uh, is skin type one. Prolonged ultraviolet exposure, heavy UV exposure in the youth usually predisposes the person down the line. And if you listen to your patients, you're hearing more and more of this, but even without looking at the newer studies, where for many years we would say just chronic exposure, 15, 20 minutes a day between 10 and 4 led to this, but usually it's pointing more in the direction of one or two uh, burns or overexposures as a child or teenager. Um, also, uh, x-ray for facial acne, which was very common uh, in the 50s, 60s, and even I was hearing in the 70s. And you've talked to a number of your patients, they'll tell you, I received x-ray treatment for my acne and arsenic injection, ingestion. Uh, years ago, and maybe most of you know about this, and they're different stories, but uh, there was somebody who said, you know, if you drink this medicinal uh, uh, solution from this bottle that I'm selling, it'll help all your, your rheumatism, your ailments, so on and so forth. Well, people started developing these pits, these papules, uh, these plaques on the hands, on the arms, pitted nails, and when they were 
biopsied and diagnosed, they were found that all of these were basal cell carcinoma. Where this individual was getting the solution from was a contaminated well full of arsenic. So they called it Fowler solution. And there are other names for it also. But basically, you'll see an erosion, bleeding with minimal trauma, five clinical types, nodular ulcerating, sclerosing, which is known as cicatricial or morpheiform, superficial and pigmented. They can be papules or nodules, translucent or pearly in color, surface telangiectasias, ulcer with rolled borders, also known as the rodent ulcer. The danger sites we all need to remember are usually the medial and can uh, lateral canthal areas, as, far, as well as the nasolabial fold, postauricular. Uh, very quick story, my best friend from the seventh grade, he's been a little bit in the dumps lately, he's a skull-based surgeon, um, ear, nose, and throat, and then fellowship-trained skull-based surgeon. Uh, his right-hand person, who's been with him for a long time, uh, 33 uh, years old, uh, started feeling some pain uh, in uh, left uh, malar area, um, and then she started feeling numbness, and just different sensations. Uh, eyelid was drooping, started to droop. And uh, basically, she had a very small papule, which had been there for some, some time. And she just thought, basically, you know, it was a mole developing. Uh, but uh, long story short, it was a basal cell carcinoma, which uh, has invaded the optic nerve uh, to the base of the skull. It has wrapped its way around the carotid artery and she had full neck dissection and um, some, uh, the surgery was 14 hours uh, yesterday. And the prognosis is not good, but I bring that up for a reason. This was a basal cell carcinoma and it had not metastasized, it had just spread out to different uh, very vital uh, areas uh, in the head and neck area. Uh, there's different treatments we all use. Uh, Five-fluorouracil, imiquimod, uh, liquid nitrogen therapy, excision and repair, Mohs surgery, and uh, vismodigib. I'm very sorry, I, I may have pronounced that wrong. I, it is one of our newer treatments, uh, certainly for uh, skin cancer such as basal cell, uh, which uh, basically if it's unable or it's invasive or unable uh, for surgical treatment or other types of treatment, this is something uh, I think all of us need to look into, especially some of the newer uh, treatments that are out there. Now, this is somebody who presented with multiple erythematous papules. Uh, some uh, were hyperkeratotic, uh, but the patient presented with the fact that he, they were bleeding, some of these were bleeding on their own. And we all probably have a number of these patients. I certainly have a number of these patients. Uh, very interesting, if you look at the patient, if you look at their daughter or son, uh, basically you can see very similar features. I've seen a number of patients, which is very interesting, whose uh, relative was in Vietnam, or father was in Vietnam, as the story goes, uh, one day, uh, agent, uh, the orange rain I would hear about, and then one day they're in the jungle, a couple days later there was just no foliage. And putting together a lot of this, uh, a number of patients have presented with this condition, basal cell nevus syndrome. 
Uh, the last medication I just mentioned uh, is in a number of uh, phases now where people are um, looking as far as research to see if this new medication uh, will help. But basically, it's autosomal dominant disorder, patch gene mutations. It resides on chromosome 9Q, uh, Palmer plantar pits, uh, skeletal malformations, soft tissue, eye, CNS, and endocrine organs it can affect. Caucasians are affected more than uh, darker-skinned individuals. It can be seen in childhood or early adolescence, uh, and it's continuous through life. Uh, the patients I mentioned, some of our patients have over, well over 100 basal cells uh, on their, on their uh, body. Sun-exposed areas, covered areas, you can have hundreds of lesions. You will see frontal bossing, that broad nasal root, hypertelorism, congenital anomalies such as undescended testes, hydrocephalus, mandibular uh, odontogenic cyst, defective dentition, bifid or splayed ribs, pectus excavatum, excavatum and the short fourth metacarpals. You can have scoliosis, kyphosis, eye lesions uh, such as strabismus, hypertelorism, cataracts, glaucoma, and even blindness can occur. It also causes the corpus callosum uh, agenesis, medulloblastomas, you can see with this, false calcifications, as far as uh, ovarian fibromas can occur, teratomas, cyst adenomas, and again, palmar pitting, which will be good to put in your differential diagnosis uh, about a number of different conditions. You can see pitting, not only of the nails, but the palmar surface of the hands. This. Looks like one of those little cherry apples that's stuck on someone's forearm. Uh, it's shiny, nodule, with a small crusting center. And this is someone, and I think we have a lot of patients who are in denial. But also, this lesion can grow very quickly. Obviously, uh, it's crusting in the center. And this is one that grew uh, within six weeks. Uh, on the obviously side of the nasal bridge, keratoacanthomas. Usually affects people over the age of 50, males uh, two to one ratio over females uh, being affected. It's been found the human papillomavirus, 9, 16, 19, 25, and 37 have been involved. UV radiation, chemical carcinogens, pitch tar, rapid growth, few weeks to months, and tender in most cases nodular, dome-shaped with central keratotic plugging, slightly erythematous, and it can be tanned or brown. In your differential, you need to consider squamous cell carcinoma. Now to this day, I don't know if you see in your path reports, some pathologists may say keratoacanthosis type squamous cell carcinoma, but years ago, uh, a number of uh, our colleagues said basically, this is squamous cell, this is keratoacanthoma, it's an entity unto itself, uh, but I still see that quite a bit. Hypertrophic solar keratosis and verruca vulgaris, considering your differential. It can spontaneously go away, usually within two to six months. It's locally destructive, it can involve the local lymph nodes, and visceral metastasis has been seen. Surgical excision with multiple multiple KAs developing, uh, you need to consider using systemic retinoids as well as methotrexate has helped. You see this weeping erythematous plaque crusting. 
This is somebody who developed multiple hyperkeratotic papules and plaques on the lower extremities. And this is someone who said, you know, I had bleeding under my nail. Uh, my nail, really they were more concerned about the nail. They had been told that there was a fungus that was affecting the nail. This is squamous cell carcinoma. Usually individuals older than 55 years of age are affected in the United States. Even younger, in Florida, 20s and 30s in Australia, New Zealand, Florida, southwestern United States, and Southern California. You know, Australia has dropped multiple places as far as it used to be number one for skin cancer. And it's interesting how it was done. Um, people live on the beach. A lot of people go and stay on the beach and the kids are out there. And it came to the point where it was epidemic proportions that they would have like the, the meter people and they would go around and if the child did not have the sun protective shirts or clothing on, they would get a ticket. Or not the child, but the parent. And if they were caught again, the fine was doubled. And then it was doubled again and all of a sudden you started seeing the numbers drop. It's kind of like here, I don't know if other states have it, but if you go through a school zone and you're caught, it's, it's a substantial fine, but if you're caught again, it's going to double. So I don't speed the school zones. But uh, 12 through, uh, per 100,000 Caucasian males in the United States, 7 per 100,000 Caucasian females, and Hawaii, places, place I love to go to, 62 per 100,000 Caucasians are affected with squamous cell in Hawaii. Males are affected more than females. Sunlight, phototherapy, PUVA, excessive photochemotherapy, which for a long time I use because I treat a lot of, we treat a lot of psoriasis patients with phototherapy, or we did. Now, in different parts of the country, especially the Southwest, if you look at some of the data, the more PUVA someone received, the, the, the increased numbers of melanoma development. Caucasian skin and poor tanning capacity, usually are individuals who are involved. It's been found oncogenic HPV type 16, 18, 31, it's been involved. Invasive, invasive type squamous cell carcinoma, HPV 5, 8, and 9 have been isolated. Solid organ transplant recipients and individuals with HIV disease, Increased incidence of UVR and HPV-induced squamous cell carcinoma. Uh, when I was an intern 25, 26 years ago, um, there were, I was on the transplant surgeon uh, service for a month. And just about, uh, quite a few patients developed violaceous plaques and papules on their extremities. And they always turned to me and said, Woodson, what is this? I said, I, I don't know. They said, Woodson, you're in dermatology. I said, no, I'm going into dermatology. So, but every single one that we biopsied came back squamous cell carcinoma. Associated with cutaneous lupus erythematosus, so your patients with lupus you need to be concerned with. Uh, discoid lupus, especially your patients' frontal scalp scarring area, chronic ulcers, burn scars. Uh, individuals who uh, use the um, welder, uh, or weld, come in with skin cancer. We have a number of retired uh, firemen who didn't burn in the fire, 
but were close enough to feel the burn for many, many years have uh, developed. Also, people who have chronic radiation dermatitis have also developed a squamous cell. Pitch tar, different types of oil, trivalent arsenic, I mentioned earlier, also known as Asiatic pills, if it's in pill form, or Fowler solution, uh, it's been known as. Isolated keratotic or eroded papules or plaques, nodules. If you have regional lymphadenopathy, it's usually due to metastasis. Uh, squamous cell can develop from leukoplasia or actinic chelitis, which we mostly see on the lower lip. 90% of squamous cells are usually found on the lower lip. Excision repair, Mohs surgery, radiation therapy um, have all been used and uh, other things have been used, but these are the most uh, common. Now, erythematous shiny papule. Violaceous erythematous weeping plaque. Merkel cell carcinoma. Certainly a lot of people think, and uh, it has, and I, I stress, you, you have to send your specimen to someone that you feel very comfortable with. I have had, in my history, basal cells or Merkel cells called basal cell, and they are quite different, and these are much more aggressive. They're cutaneous neuroendocrine tumors specialized in the epithelial cell, non-keratinizing, clear cell, and the basal cell layer. Caucasians, immunosuppressed patients, unknown etiology, UVR damage, and also associated with polyoma virus. Affects the head, extremities recurrent, recurrence rate is high, regional lymph node involvement involves greater than 50% of the cases, and it disseminates to the CNS and viscera. Again, it can be cutaneous, to subcutaneous papules, nodules, or tumor, pink, erythematous, brown, or dome-shaped. It grows rapidly in persons greater than 50 years of age. In fact, I've never seen anybody under the age of 60 with a Merkel cell presenting uh, to me, uh, or we found it to be Merkel cell. Excision, Mohs surgery, uh, sentinel node biopsies, uh, especially if you send to the, radiation, uh, to the uh, oncologic surgeons, radiation uh, therapy, and the recurrence rates, again, are high. Now, brown, irregular, asymmetric papule. This, more grayish, tells you what layer of the skin that you can have the cells in, erythematous, plaque. This is a regular plaque, black. This is a very small, dark black papule. Irregular brownish, erythematous plaque, and this, it's irregular, the border is changing, it's spreading. This obviously is a nodule, black, scaly, irregular, malignant melanoma. We are all seeing that increase. 5% of all cancers by incidence in males, 6% in females. The number of new cases in the United States back in 2008 and the numbers have gone up, 62,000. United States lifetime risk of developing Invasive melanoma in 2010 was 1 in 50. New melanoma deaths in the U.S. back in 2008, 8,400 individuals. It has increased. Caucasians are most frequently involved. The upper backs of males, upper extremities, females, usually the lower back, and definitely the lower extremities. I tell every female patient that's in for a full body scan or, uh, or any 
female who's in for different conditions at least once a month when she's in her bath or her shower to look at her calves, see if there's any unusual moles or anything developing. All family members, I tell quarterly to look at each other's backs, make it a game, whatever, with the kids. Look at each other's backs quarterly to see if anything's developing. Blacks, Asians, usually on the palmar, uh, on the plantar surface, mucous membranes, plantar, palmar surface, and the nail beds. And definitely, definitely, and it's just personal experience, one of my mentors, uh, fathers passed away of melanoma, uh, African-American, he refused to get a prostate exam for years and uh, when they found uh, these nodules developing um, generalized uh, fashion, it was found, the biopsy were found to be melanoma. Uh, where they found the primary was in the gluteal crease area. So, uh, the most common areas, most common types, superficial spreading melanoma, 70%, nodular, 15%, lentigo maligna, 5%, and acromelanoma is 10%. That number has, has gone up uh, from when I was a resident around 5% higher. Basically, classification, de novo melanoma, melanoma in situ, lentigo maligna, superficial spreading, nodular, acrolentigenous, mucous membrane involvement, and desmoplastic melanoma. Very quickly, this is the generalized workup, which most of us do or should do. Primary stage one or two, no nodes appreciated or palpated, chest x-ray, ultrasound of lymph node, uh, liver function tests, lymphatic mapping, sentinel lymphadenectomy, stage one, thickness greater than one millimeter. If it's primary melanoma with local or regional disease, Stage three satellites and local recurrence, complete blood count, LFTs, chest x-ray, ultrasound, CT scan of the abdomen, pelvis, neck, uh, PET scan. Stage four, same as stage three, um, and I'm watching a lot of people scribbling. I'll tell you right now, you can have this lecture. Uh, I'll give you the, uh, it's first healthcare at AOL.com, so you can have this uh, to pull up any time, so um, you'll have exactly what I'm showing you. Biopsy, total excisional biopsy with narrow margin if possible. Incisional or punch biopsy is acceptable when total excisional biopsies cannot be performed. Please, people, stop these individuals. I don't know where and what states you're from, but certainly here it has become a sickening phenomenon as far as I'm concerned, but most insurance companies, even if you say you suspect a skin cancer, it's bleeding, so on and so forth, they will say, well, we need to have it go before the committee, and uh, before you do anything, you need prior authorization. It is our duty, and if you want to talk about lentiginous societies, you basically need to stop these people before they go out, and you need to biopsy these. Melanoma in situ, excised with a half a centimeter margin. Lentigo malignas, excised with a one centimeter margin down the fascia or underlying muscle. Superficial spreading, nodular acrolentigenous melanomas, thickness greater than one millimeter, excised uh, with a one centimeter margin down to the fascia. If thickness is greater than uh, one to four millimeters, excision uh, two centimeters from the edge of the lesion, except on the face, there needs to be a sentinel node procedure. At this point, I always work with either 
uh, the dermatologic surgeon, the oncologic surgeon, and certainly the, um, the hemoc person. Now, erythematous uh, nodule developing into a papule. This has become metastatic melanoma. There were other areas there. 15 to 26% of stage two types spread, usually primary, to the regional metastasis. Distant mets can occur missing the regional lymph nodes, indicating hematologic spread. Distant metastasis can occur anywhere, usually in the lungs, 18 to 36%, liver up to about 30%, brain up to 20%, bone, again, complaining of bone pain, it's up to 17%, intestines up to 7%. It first spreads to the distant lymph nodes, skin, and subcutaneous tissue. In summary, basically, the simple and plain for all of us to remember and spread to our colleagues is to remember the simple A, B, C, D, and E. Asymmetric, borders irregular, color is not uniform, diameter greater than usually a pencil eraser or six millimeters, elevation or enlargement. Now very quickly, this is the fun part. So if anybody has anything, if it looks black, it looks black, brown, whatever, just yell out what you think it is. What do you think this is? Anybody? What would be in your differential? That's very good. That would be in the differential. What else? What'd you say? Very good. In the differential? This is the same person. Very good. Mycosis fungoides. Anybody know what this is? Erosion on the lower lip. Actinic chelitis, biopsy that had not become a squamous cell carcinoma at that time. But you remember, 90% develop on the lower lip. But I know what this is. Tender, painful, crusting, hyperkeratotic, periungual area. You see the thumb? It had been frozen a number of times. I think I heard the answer. Verrucous carcinoma. What do you think this is? And it's more behind the story, but I think I just heard KA. This was considered and it was diagnosed as a squamous cell carcinoma on the dorsal hand of a cardiac transplant patient. Remember we talked about the uh, transplant service. What do you think? Crusted, border, weeping. I heard basal. Recurrent squamous cell. This patient was HIV. We all still need to remember, even though we have a number, I have a number of patients who are doing just great 20, 25 years later. But when you start seeing a number of situations that are recurrent, certainly the more resistant type of psoriasis patients I see, you, uh, Psoriasis has moved from number six on cutaneous involvement with someone with uh, HIV to number two. I mentioned this condition earlier. What do you think? Looks scarring, frontal scalp. What I hear? 
Excuse me? Very good. This was squamous cell carcinoma arising in discoid lupus on the frontal scalp. Does anybody know what this is? I think I heard. Very good. Acral intiginous melanoma. Anybody? Nodular melanoma arising with a within a congenital nephus. We had a patient, I think it was uh, maybe eight, nine months ago. They said that uh, nevus that, or mole that they had been born with started to change after about 37 years. They knew it had been there since birth because of pictures. So even in the smaller congenital nevi, the story always seems to go, well, you have to have it you know, covering your abdomen to see a melanoma. But no, if a congenital nevus starts to change, you need to biopsy it. Does anybody know what this is? Erythematous papule. Little erosion. Hmm. Looks like a little maybe inflamed cyst to some people because of the crusting to the side. Amelanotic melanoma in situ. Does anybody know what this is? Looks maybe like a little folliculitis. Hmm? That would be good, PR. Never forget, KS, Kaposi sarcoma. Their CD4 count had dropped below 200. Does everybody see where the problem is here? It looks like a little bit of a scar, raised nodule on the left-hand side of the face. Metastatic renal cell carcinoma. We've had several patients with renal cell carcinoma this year, uh, so obviously uh, consider other areas systemically. Anybody know what this is on the side of the nose? Did I hear basal cell, squamous cell? This is morpheiform basal cell. It looks like a scar. Anybody know what this is? I can tell you it's not a graft that's gone poorly. Raised borders. Shiny, scar-like. I heard basal cell, very good. Morpheiform basal cell on the left temple and upper cheek. Very aggressive. And on that note, I think I ran over. Thank you very much for your attention. Exactly what time it is, but to keep on schedule, if anybody... Oh, I have 20 minutes? Oh, great. Okay, I, I didn't have my uh, alarm on. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, then please uh, let me know. Um, again, if you like the lecture, you can go to uh, firsthealthcare.aol.com or just contact me directly, um, Johnny Woodson, and uh, you, you can have uh, all of this. Has everybody seen uh, a lot of this presented before? You see it in your practice? Hi, Johnny. Dr. Woodson. How yes. you doing? Oh. Here. Oh, hey. Hey, Johnny? Rob. Good. Um, I'm just curious what you do management-wise for AKs with follicular extension or, for that matter, squames that are in situ mm -hmm. with follicular extension if your management changes. Yeah. Um, certainly, um, 
I, I like to use, I mean, it, it, you know, it really has a lot to do with, this is terrible, in, insurance issues. Um, I use quite a bit of like fluorouracil, um, you know, imiquimod treatment. Um, you know, if, if there are a number of, of lesions, uh, obviously it covers a lot of area. Um, there are a couple newer uh, medications, which, which I mentioned earlier before. I'm, I'm just curious, what do you like to do? Surgery. Yeah, well, surgery's great. <laughs> surgery's no question about it. Uh, it's definitely uh, a number of, obviously, our colleagues and certainly, you know, certainly in situ. Um, surgery is usually my top two um, treatments. Uh, and again, um, you know, it's something uh, certainly needs to be at the top of the, the ladder, surgery. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, per personally, you know, if I can stay away from punch biopsies in a situation such as that, uh, I would do more of, uh, you know, excisional, elliptical, um, and, and for a number of reasons. I remember someone telling us, I don't know how many years ago it was, it's probably about 10, 12, maybe a little longer years ago at a meeting, that they personally felt that if, if a patient had a typical or dysplastic, you know, nevus, um, that as long as you know what it is, um, the chances of it going into a melanoma were not great enough to have it excised. And to this day, I, you know, and, and I, I, I personally respectfully disagree with that person. Um, all you need to see is, I believe, you know, one or two cases in your life to see uh, someone tell one of our colleagues, say to a patient, you know, you have a moderate, severely dysplastic or atypical nevus, and just leave it alone, there's very little chance it's gonna change, and then you see a person come back a year, two years, whatever later, and now melanoma, uh, I've seen that several times in my career. And um, even though the numbers may be low, uh, it's, it's, it, I personally believe that, uh, you know, the, the more you get, uh, the better it is um, to see. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah, I, you know, this just shows that I am getting older because when I did my internship at Henry Ford Hospital, I remember my chief resident and residents using the CO2 laser like it was Star Wars, just eviscerating any Veruca possible, condyloma, everything. The room was so full of smoke, I still remember to this day. And I remember a couple of my colleagues who one developed uh, a Veruca coming out of the conjunctiva of one of his eyes. Uh, a couple, the ENTs will tell me, like I said, my best friend tells me, oh, I see, especially he'll even break it down to me about what fields he sees the most, and it's usually uh, the gynecologist, and he'll hear, he said, you know, it was like he'll ask the question, you have a mask, protect, goggle, anything, and it was just so prevalent with a number of his colleagues he's telling me about that they would start getting hoarse. And when he looked back into the throat, there were all these warts 
Veruca on the vocal cords. So I personally, I, I, I'm not to say that I don't, I will kind of like if my arm is twisted, but everybody in that room is masked, goggles, everything. And I'm just telling you based on personal experience. If you, if you see me leaning down like this, these are what I call, I've never been, I just a couple months ago I was in Rome, I'd never been before, and of all places, you know, they take you to Pompeii, which I think is amazing that this place was covered. And you look down into this one place and my glasses fell off. So now it's buried with the rest of the people in Pompeii. And so these are my, I can see right here, I can, up close, but when I'm looking, I feel better with my eyes. So that's why I'm leaning so much. Any other questions? Okay, I guess uh, we'll keep you ahead of schedule. Thank you again very much.